hello, anybody there? Yes, hello, can you hear me? Hey, hey, yes I can. How are you, Steven? I'm very good, how are you? Oh, I'm well. Let's get the ball rolling here. I wanted to ask you where you're from and how your creative journey begins. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up? Sure. Um, I was uh, born in California. We moved around some when I was a kid because my dad was in the army. So I lived in Germany for a few years. Um, and then we moved to uh, Colorado when I was seven. And I did most of my growing up in Colorado. Mm. And then I've moved around some since then. I went to college in Tennessee and moved to St. Louis uh, 15 years ago at this point. Mm. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the location wise. Um, in terms of journey as a writer, uh, I have always been fairly creative. It's, it's always been writing. I can remember as far back as um, it must have been kindergarten or first grade, something in that general age range. Uh, I wrote a story. I think it was, it was supposed to be a story about uh, what you're going to do when you grow up. Mm. And I wrote a story about how I was going to be uh, a, a policeman who gave cheetahs speeding tickets for running too fast. <laughs> and so that, that was, uh, the teacher loved it. My parents loved it. And I think uh, it, it seems to me that's the first time I realized that I could make people uh, be entertained by mm. writing. And so it's, it's always kind of been a thing for me. Um, I, when I was younger, I thought I was going to uh, write fantasy novels. Um, and I actually did try to do that. But it turns out that sort of I, it's just the the strange way my brain works. Anytime mm -hmm. I try to write a longer fiction piece, um, it ends up turning into a strange little poem instead. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much I, I, I'm uh, I'm accepting of it at this point that that I'm a, a poet first and foremost. And, mm -hmm. and whatever sort of the I mean, a, a lot of the things I write have sort of fantastical elements to them, uh, you know, fantasy or science fiction, things that are unreal. And so it definitely that thing that I thought I was going to be a long time ago got channeled into poetry instead, which, which works out fine. Yeah. There um, tend to be variants huh, of, of what we initially set out to do. There's always just like a lingering thing. It just takes on a different form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you know, I was in high school when I thought that, and you don't, you have no idea what you're actually going to be in high school. So <laughs> to some extent I'm, I'm pretty pleased that I was, I was at least fairly close to the mark. I was That's right. <laughs> I was a writer, so that, that was a pretty good guess on my part, I, I think. Oh, how awesome is that? Do you remember what you were enjoying when you were younger? Like what kind of stuff you were watching or reading when you were a kid? Yeah, I, I think the, the sort of the formative literature for me is The Lord of the Rings. That mm. was uh, my parents read The Hobbit to me when I was very young um, and then once I started reading on my own, I read The Hobbit, I read The Lord of the Rings. Um, that was obviously what made me think I was going to write fantasy. Um, and it, the, the thing for me about those that, that is truly amazing to me is, is the way that it's, uh, it builds an entire world, you know, mm -hmm. languages and maps and history. And, and, and most of that stuff isn't actually in the books. He, he had this whole history that he built up, this entire mythos. And then one little bit of that is those books. And I just, mm -hmm. I love that kind of world building. And that's something that, yeah. that I aspire to, to have that kind of world background in the things I'm thinking about. Yeah. So um, do you remember what those early attempts were in that fantasy realm that made you decide that you were going to go maybe a different direction? Like, can you give me an example of those things? Like what kind of story that might've been that you were writing? Sure. I, 
but hey, I mean, it, it was it was high school. It was very cliched. It was very it was extremely derivative. Um, I don't remember. I like I I was thinking I was thinking of it as like a whole trilogy series of books, um, and I don't remember the exact uh, the the whole thing. But a lot of it was about how uh, like magic had somehow been locked away, and someone was trying to do something to to make magic uh, like reappear in the world essentially. But it was going to cause some sort of uh, cataclysmic event, mm-hmm. um, and so just very. Like that, that kind of stuff is is very much done already in mm-hmm. fantasy literature. Um, but but yeah, so I was thinking of stories like that, and then at some point along the way, I think I realized, a, if I was going to write fantasy novels, I would have to be a lot more original than that. But b, the thing that really interests me, I think, are sort of the peripheral things around that. Just the, like the um, there's a, a fantasy author named uh, China Meville who's uh, he he writes um fantastic creative original stuff and one of my favorite things about him is that he will just he throws out ideas and they're really interesting ideas and he kind of follows them for a few pages and then they disappear back out of his books again like oh. it, 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 it it's the kind of idea that someone else would probably turn into an entire book but he just he burns it off in a few pages and so mm. I, those just little tangential things are really some of my my favorite aspects of of that kind of writing just the weird little things about the fantasy world or about yeah science fiction world whatever unreal world it's it's like the possibility right so like it it's maybe what could be the seed of a tangent right or or mm-hmm. a huge divergence but they just leave you wondering is that is that kind of what you're talking about yeah yeah in in fiction uh in in, in movies there there's very much a tendency to sort of over explain like everything that that appears, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it appears on screen or on the page, you have to, you know, here, here here's why this happened and here's where, like, it, it, yeah, authors tend to feel a little insecure, I think. And so they have to, like, here's everything about it. I have to explain it. Whereas if you just put something there and it's like, this is it, this is what it is. <laughs> I, I really like that approach. It's just like you don't need to know everything about it. You just know that it's this really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So did you pursue this in school or was this something that you had alongside the rest of your life that you were, uh, that you were pursuing? Um, well, and originally, um, it was alongside when I went to college, uh, I thought, um, I, well, I, I majored in computer science originally. And I thought mm-hmm. I was going to design computer games for a living, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, that, that's still, that would have been, that's, it would have been very cool to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I also got to college and I was kind of uh, unprepared for the the step up in how much I had to work at it. Oh, and yeah. I also I also discovered that even though I'm pretty good at at math and computer programming and things like that, I don't truly enjoy it when it starts getting really mm. like the linear algebra. I think I did really badly in and and then the like the hardcore uh, assembly language kinds of classes. And so I realized that anything that I truly had to program in, I was not going to be, that was not a long-term thing for me. So I ended up switching my major to English uh, with an emphasis in creative writing at that point. So Mm. from then on, writing really was the first sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So were you able to use a lot of the, the writing experience or background in the work that you're doing now, or do you think it's, uh, it's still kind of uh, your, your primary identity has to be on the side? you know, like with, with the writing thing, because I think that a lot of us, like we have a difficult time putting in a lot of that writing into maybe our day jobs and things like that. Is that something that you, you have an issue with, or do you get to regularly use it and work? 
Um, well, I, I do write for my day job um, pretty often. Uh, I work for a, a marketing agency, and my my sort of my primary uh, my primary responsibility is writing. I have a lot of different hats that I wear, but writing is a big part of it. But at the same time, it is still almost like two different identities because the the stuff I'm doing at work is not creative writing. It's, it doesn't have you know the fantastical elements. It's not poetic. Nothing like that. And I, I very much keep my uh, the the poetry, all that sort of stuff, separate from the job. The, the people I work with know that I write poetry, know that I published books. Uh, but on that, um, there's there's just they're really not interested in that, and that's fine. But the one thing that happened at work one time is one of the one of the people in the art department came up to me out, out of nowhere and said, "I didn't realize you were famous," and I had no <laughs> idea what she was talking about. I said, what, "What do you mean?" And she said, "You have a Wikipedia entry." Which I do, which I thought that was, that was that was her gauge for me being famous, which I thought was really funny. But for it's the most pretty part, official. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, it is. It is nice, but it doesn't come up at work often, and I think that's good, just to some extent, because yeah. the, the writing I do at work doesn't take away my creative energies. It's just very, like it's it, it's a good balance. It, it doesn't it doesn't use the same muscles, and so when I actually want to write poetry, I don't feel exhausted from writing during the the work day. Oh, that's phenomenal because I. I always wonder about that because in my, in my capacity now in my day job, it's, it's a lot of overlap, you know? And mm -hmm. I wonder, am I ever going to get tired? Am I ever, am I ever going to get overwhelmed? But it seems like you found a good balance there of, of this is a completely different form. This has no bearing on the creative output because it's, as you said, it's using different muscles. So yeah. as you're writing your poetry collections, I was going to ask you about the narrative aspect of them, because if you said that there, you initially started doing fiction or wanting to do that sort of work, is there still overlap or, or do you feel like you have shed sort of the narrative longing or do you still find narrative kind of making its way in there a little bit? Um, it's definitely still there. I have some kind of impulse to tell a story still for sure. Mm. Um, but definitely much less so. Um, and even when it's there, I think it can be kind of strange. Like it's not the, it's a story, but it's not necessarily a story that makes immediate sense. You, you mm -hmm. kind of read it and you're like, I, I can tell there's like, it, it's, it's in the form of a story, but I, I can't tell exactly what's going on. It's, yeah. it's not quite as, it's not quite as simple as, you know, person A does thing B and it proceeds from there. Uh -huh. um, but, and I think also um, my, my poetry collections at this point, don't have like a large scale narrative arc. I'll mm. do narrative within an individual poem, but it's not like there's a beginning to end story in those books. The, yeah. the, the books have different sorts of unifying things. A, a lot of it is formal mm. or, or like generalized subject matter. Like the most recent one is all sort of apocalyptic and dystopian themes, That's but it's awesome. not like it, there's, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, but there's not like a specific story that it's telling from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Yeah. So to some extent I have shed that narrative. So before we get to Wikipedia Apocalyptica, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about that. But uh, could I could we talk about your first one, which was the Royal Nonsuch? Was that correct? The no, that's, that's the second one. Oh, this is this. Oh, okay. So yeah. So you're at two. You got two. No, three. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. First one is called Torched Verse Ends. Royal Nonsuch is the second one, okay. and then Wikipedia Apocalyptus. So. Okay. Great. Great. Thank you for clarifying because I wanted More. to ask the progression of those and and sort of how the development of your poetry came into being from the first one to this third publication. Yeah. Um. The, so the first book was 
very much less cohesive. Uh, I think a lot of first books for people are that way, where mm -hmm. for me, it was, I had been writing poetry for uh, quite a while at that point, And I had a lot of poems that were pretty good, um, you know, 50 to 100 poems mm -hmm. that were just kind of sitting there. And I started thinking about, well, it seems like I should put a book together. Let's kind of figure out how these all fit. Yeah. And then a lot of them ended up in the book. Some of them didn't fit at all, but it was, it's very much just a, like, this is all my early work. Here's, here's a way I figured out to make it into a book. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting also that first book, you're, you know, you're talking about the, the way I've developed that first book. Now, if I read it, I still like a lot of the poems, but it's very much not the way I write anymore. It's almost like reading poetry by someone else. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, can, I can recognize things I was thinking about or, you know, why I did what I did, but it's just not the way I would think about it or do it anymore. Yeah, I think it's just the the natural effect of of you know that those poems were written fifteen plus years ago, and so you change a lot as a person, you change a lot as a writer. Um, but I don't know, maybe some people don't keep changing as writers, but I think most of us do. You know, you just you 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 learn new things, you do different things, and and so yeah, it's it's very much different. But then the the, the next book after that, um, kind of, I find it helps me to have some sort of constraint to my writing so i'm not just trying to figure out what i should do completely from scratch every time mm -hmm. so the 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 second book ended up having some of my sort of i mean they're kind of obsessions um maybe that's slightly too strong a word but um i was i was specifically trying to get some element of unreality in there because I, I like that you know not being strictly realist um and then i was also thinking about kind of how different uh, poems, different literature, different entertainment influences me. And so all the poems in that second book have titles that I took from other sources, mm. that from, from you know lines of someone else's poetry or movie quotes or things like that. Oh, great. And then use that as kind of, yeah, some, it, just that, that kind of influence on me just made it plain. Yeah. Looking at that collection in particular, when you were done with that, what was your reaction? How did you feel about it going from the, the first to the second one? Because that seems like a big turning point for you, right? Did you feel like you had a, a grasp on the work you were doing? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely more so than the first one. The first one, I was you know, very much a baby poet and still figuring <laughs> things out. And, and that, uh, that book, the first one was published in 2009 and was represented about roughly seven years of poetry. Mm. Um, although a, a lot of it had been more recent, but then the next one represented, it was 2013. Um, so I wrote it faster than I'd written the first one. Um, and it, having that kind of the, the constraints on it made it really feel like a collection to me. And that was, that was one thing I, I felt like I figured out where it really, it felt like an actual book the whole time I was writing it, even when I was just working on individual poems, I could tell it was part of a whole, which was really nice to, oh, to awesome. know that. Yeah. And, and I did, uh, you know, I, 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 I'll never feel like I truly have a handle on writing or publishing or any of that, but I definitely felt better about the second one in terms of, you know, being able to apply what I learned on the first one and, yeah. and uh, knowing more about publishing and about writing and, 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 I, I've been happy with how all my books turned out as oh, like awesome. how they look and the, the physical object. They're very nice. But that, that second one, it, it really did. It made me happy. <laughs> it looks nice. It was just, it was a great experience to work with that press. Um, 
And so, who yeah. who did that one uh, come out through? Uh, what was it, it was called? called Sparkwheel Press. Oh, okay. Positive experience in the editing process and that sort of thing. It, it felt very oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, they were great about getting the book out there. Um, the uh, about uh, just working with me to we did some editing of the manuscript after they accepted it, mm -hmm. and you know their suggestions were great on that, and and just and they made it such a such a nice looking book too. Like one of the one of the women who ran that press did the cover art as well. And mm -hmm. I was just super happy with that. Oh, that's awesome. You get a good representation there. You know, it makes it a bit more appealing to folks who are looking at their options for sure. So when does the zine come into the picture? Because this is, this is, I was reading some of the, uh, the poetry in there. I love the stance. Uh, it's, a, it's an anti-capitalist publication, but I'd like you to tell me a little bit more about it when it comes into the picture. And maybe how it makes its way into your writing, how it influences you and the work that you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the the uh, journal I edit now is uh, called well, it's Dollar Sign, um, but since uh, it's hard to you know, it's an actual dollar sign. So the tagline for it is Poetry is Currency, which is what I think most people actually call it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I think I'll have to like step back a little bit in time. Uh, I, yeah. I have edited small literary journals for a long time, different ones. There was mm -hmm. one back in Colorado when I was there for a local organization. Um, and then I edited a different online uh, poetry magazine called Anti from 2007 to 2014. Mm. Um, and that one, the, the sort of gimmick was anybody I published had to make a little anti-statement, which was a statement of what they were against in poetry. <laughs> so I, I like to have those sorts of little, little uh, things, little hangers to, to remember and you know, make the journal unique. Um, and so... Um, that one I, I stopped because I got a little burned out after editing it for seven years. Mm. Uh, but I, I really like um, editing a journal of my own. It just a you know a small uh, small operation. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like a really good way to build community and uh, sort of help out other writers because I you know writers want to publish, but at the same time, um, it, it, it's helpful to me too. I get to read. A good sampling of you know what people are writing now and i get to discover some poems that i really love and and put them out there in the world yeah. um so i had always i'd had the kind of the itch to restart editing for quite a while and i finally uh made the jump again in uh 2021 oh, that's amazing. that was when that was when the, the dollar sign came into being so i've been <laughs> doing it for, for about two years now your other part of the question was was sort of how how it affects my writing and it, it absolutely does. Uh, basically, like like I said, seeing um, some of the the best of what poetry is being written now, and because mm -hmm. we're a small journal, we tend to get uh, writing from younger, uh, newer poets, and and so I get to discover writers that way too. And and um, it, it really is helpful to my own writing to be able to see what people are doing, um, yeah. and and just kind of get the idea. You know, I really like when writing does this. I don't like quite as much when writing does this and just just have that kind of right. immediate reference right i am very curious about the curation element of it because obviously editing a journal of any kind is more than just curation it is sort of trying to get the sensibility of something and maybe clarifying right how you feel about some things did mm -hmm. you feel like you've always known the things that that have appealed to you or 
do you do you think that it's it's less rigid than that as you're as um, you're doing this yeah uh it's i mean it's a kind of a little bit of both again um some of the things that i like i've always known i liked or for a long time anyway um the you know the things things that i like to try to do in my own writing like very rich sound heavy kinds of of poetry where there's a lot of internal rhyme and and just very very sonic um things that are enjoyable to read or to hear read i know I've liked that for a long time. I try to write a lot of my own poems that way. And, and I'll, I'll sometimes get poems for, for the journals I edit where I can just looking at it on the page go, oh, this, this is going to be fun to read out loud. And then I have to read it out loud and hear just the, yeah. the sounds. And, and so that, that's one that, that I, I have a really good idea of. But there are definitely um, things that I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought I liked or in some cases even... Uh, that I think I don't particularly like, and then someone will send a really good example of mm. that, that that I have to I have to admit. Oh, you know, they, uh, one one thing would be I, I tend to be very skeptical of uh, poems about poetry. Um, mm. I, I think uh, that tends to get into sort of um, meta navel gazing kind of stuff, and, <laughs> and I'm always at least somewhat suspicious of it. But I, from time to time, someone will send me uh, a poem for the journal that, or for you know, one of the previous ones I edited where it's clearly a poem about poetry, but it's just really well done and it's fun. And I'm like, well, this, even if I don't like poems about poetry, this one's really good. <laughs> no, that's great to hear. And, uh, specifically about the anti-capitalist stance mm -hmm. of the zine. I, I think this is a very important perspective and I want to know how you solidify that. If you could tell me the, the genesis of, of that idea and maybe how that resonated with you as a poet. Yeah, uh, I think um, for me, it's very much, I mean, I am in a general sense anti-capitalist, which is, I mean, it's kind of ironic that I work for a marketing agency that, that markets yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> financial services and stuff. That's just, you know, that's a side note. But uh, uh and, and the the most recent book also has a lot of sort of anti-capitalist stuff in there too. Um, but really, the reason I think I wanted to make the journal be like that is that um, I think poetry publishing has gotten really capitalist in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, it's like people treat it as a zero-sum game where you know if, if one poet doesn't get if one poet gets published, then another poet is is getting left out, left behind. And there's so much money going into it that, you know, the, the journals that use submittable and charge submission fees. And I just, I think, I, yeah. I, you know, especially, you know, if you're paying your contributors, great. Um, but I think so much of the beauty of publishing poetry is that it doesn't have to be about money at all. It can just be about, you know, the, the, the journal I have doesn't cost a lot of money to run. It's, it's my own money mm -hmm. and not a lot of it. And I put it out there and the, nobody's getting paid um but it's it's about finding the best poetry you can find and putting it in front of people letting people experience it mm -hmm. um and and you know giving the poets uh some some attention that that you know some some deserved attention for their work yeah. and so i i think i it just i i like it a lot better when money is taken out of the equation and right uh, there there are so many there's so many good writers who don't have much money and being 
being a writer, getting published now tends to require so much money between submission fees, book contests, things like that. Right. That, that I just I don't uh, the 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 money aspect of literary publishing is is something that I want to fight against. Yeah, that's a beautiful sentiment and a beautiful service that you're providing to a lot of folks, especially those who wouldn't have the ability to feel like they're a part of a community. And and I just want to thank you for that because it's so important, especially in this day and age when you can find community in many ways. It's just a perfect avenue for what many people are looking for. Um, I really enjoy this idea of how you're balancing the two parts of your life. I loved how eloquently you said that because, yeah, in the daytime you are doing a lot of this marketing stuff, but it seems like a balancing act more than anything for your for your own soul is that kind of how it is yeah um <laughs> that's that's fair to say um it's yeah it's uh I, I tend to be sort of i'm emotionally invested in the poetry side i'm not as emotionally invested in the work um and you know, I, I couldn't work at a job where i actively felt like we were doing harm in some way mm. um the I think, you know, the things, the things we're marketing are generally certainly in the world we live in their necessities, you know, we're, yeah. we're advertising for banks and things like that. And, you know, sure. Banks, there's nothing <laughs> inherently banks. wrong with banks. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Obviously some banks are doing bad things, but, but, you know, we're not, we're not advertising bad things. We're advertising services that are actually useful to people. So I don't, you know, I don't worry about right. it in that sense. And, and it just, it's uh it's sort of you know I, I I'm aware it's just a, a an effect of the world we live in that you you have to make a living and yeah. as long as you're not being evil in what you're doing I think it's right. you know you just you accept that yeah I love that because you're reconciling in in yeah. the way that is I think it's not black and white man we live in a very very gray world and we have oh, to yeah. do the best we can to balance those things out. But uh, getting to your latest collection, Wikipedia Apocalyptica, um, it, it says here in the description, the story is a temporally ambiguous dystopia, locates the city in its state of crisis, laying bare the hollowness of consensus reality. That is a lot, and it's beautiful. I, I love it so much. So can, can we talk a little bit about how you arrive as a poet? to this collection and uh if you had any intention on what you wanted to achieve before you started writing or if it came to you yeah sure uh so the i, I will say also that the the blurb you just read was actually written by the press which um <laughs> i I'm, I'm so happy they did it because it sounds really cool i would not have ever like been able to come up with that myself to, to <laughs> say that about my book so i'm glad they they were kind enough to do that for me um but yeah the, this book um i had started writing more sort of socially and politically aware poetry in the second book um mm -hmm. there was a there was a fairly even split between more personal and more political kinds of poetry mm -hmm. and then it was just i i don't know i was i was feeling more and more uh skeptical or unhappy about the direction of the country the world everything and so I just realized I was it was going to be it was going to be a fairly heavily political collection uh mm. political social just to generally even even if they weren't directly about political or social issues it's very much sort of reflective of the the chaotic state our world is in um yeah. and then very early on the the apocalyptic and dystopian themes 
that, that are just sort of naturally there anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to make to to uh, to foreground those, uh, and that was that was easy for me to do because I really enjoy those sorts of entertainments anyway. Um, post-apocalyptic movies, uh, books, games, whatever. Like I, I, uh, love the Mad Max series of movies. Um, uh, love playing the fallout series of computer games. Um, and, and just that sort of, that sort of environment is, is almost second nature to me. So it was, <laughs> it was very easy for me to think about the tropes of that kind of thing. And, and right. then, about all right how do i make a poem out of this and how do i sort of tie it into the actual world we live in mm. can you give me an example of a poem in the collection that was just a pain in the ass that that wasn't gelling that maybe took a little bit longer than the rest and how you went about mending that or helping it along oh boy uh, <laughs> I, oh man um i mean a lot of them i i tend to write uh pretty slowly um and I used to write a lot faster than I do now. Um, so really a lot of the books, or I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of the poems in the book came along very slowly. Like I would have sort of an overarching idea and a few lines, and then I, it would, it would take me a long time to, to figure out, you know, how it got from point A to point B or what, you know, what, what the overall mm -hmm. gist of the thing was. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if I can think of a specific one, but yeah, in terms of, how I generally handle that. Um, when I have an uncooperative poem, I kind of play it by ear in terms of um, if it's just a little bit that's not cooperating, I will keep sort of poking away at it. I'll just keep, if it's a couple lines, I'll keep writing different lines into that. And even if they don't work, I'm still thinking about it, thinking about how to improve it. Mm -hmm. um, but then if it's something where I know it's a good overall idea, but there's just huge chunks of it missing, a lot of the time uh, with something like that, I have to accept that I can't do this right now. I'm just going to have to put it away. You know, I put it in a file folder somewhere mm -hmm. and then sometimes I'll have another idea for it months later and I'll be able to come back and finish it. Sometimes mm -hmm. I won't finish it at all and it'll end up, uh, I'll, I'll be writing another poem and I'll think, oh, one of the, one of those lines in that poem I didn't finish is actually perfect for this. And <laughs> I'll grab that line and put it into the new poem. So I, I try mm -hmm. to tend to be um, fairly fluid about how I, how I treat poems that aren't really in a, in a finished state yet. Cause uh -huh. they, if I can't think of a way to use a great line in one poem, I can probably eventually pull it into something else. So keep a repository of all the stuff that didn't work because it might it might help you later on. It, it might be the saving grace of the the next one then. Yep, for sure. <laughs> so um, in the editorial process, working with with others, have you have you had somebody to bounce ideas off of for the collection or or somebody to kind of help you through this process? What's that been like for you? I have uh, a number of different people that I, I bounce ideas off of, or that I, uh, you know, have read drafts, things like that. Um, th there's a, a group locally here in St. Louis that I'm part of. Uh, we're called the TikTok Poets because we used to meet at this place <laughs> called the TikTok Tavern. Oh no! Um, so it got it got hijacked. Yeah, the name got hijacked a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, but uh, so they they see a lot of my drafts in progress and give me incredibly valuable feedback on on the individual poems and then kind of where they fit in the overall um the overall project i'm working on or the, the kind of my my general my tone the, the the way i usually write poetry and so mm -hmm. it's it's very helpful to have that when did you start writing this up until when you finished it 
Which is um, it's actually a number of years. It's probably okay. about eight years worth of poems. So oh, I wow. started about when okay. I published the last book, which was 2013. Okay. Um, and then I was I was largely done with it by uh, 2020. Um, I think I wrote one or two poems. I know I wrote one that was um, the thing that begins the book. That's like a a, a version of the like live updates of uh, COVID. Mm. Uh, that I wrote obviously after the pandemic started uh, and maybe one or two others, but mostly it was done by 2020. And then I just, I shopped it around for, for the better part of, I mean, two years, really, it got accepted wow. in fall 2021. Well, that's great. Do you feel like there was a sense of atonement uh, over a lot of these political societal, or maybe uh, even hardships of the pandemic that, that you feel like the book helped you process in a way, or is that, is it less of a of an emotional process for you to let the book out into the world or more of a you know i'm just doing the work <laughs> moving on to the next one um these poems i don't think it was quite as much about emotional processing like the uh, the things i'm writing right now actually are more personal and i think that probably there is more of that like what is what's really bothering me what why is it bothering me and that kind of gets into the poem and that that does help with emotional processing mm -hmm. um these poems were more sort of outwardly focused so i think it was more about um like i just like i want to shine a light on things mm -hmm. um and 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 say you know look at this look at this thing that's wrong here's why i think it's wrong and I, you know the poems are not quite that blatant obvious about it but that's kind of my thinking about it um and uh it's it's more of um well and also i think i want to kind of implicate myself in these problems too i don't want to be like this outside guy pointing and saying you know mm -hmm. this is everything that's wrong i want to be you know i i have to acknowledge right many of the things that are going on i'm certainly part of the issue and you know in, in a in a big picture way i i think acknowledging that and then asking yourself what are you going to do differently is a really important thing and and so that's kind of what i wanted to do in in some of those poems at least was mm -hmm. make myself acknowledge it and hopefully make the reader think about that too but, but if i don't achieve that at least i'm achieving it with myself right um do you feel like having done something that is more outward is it more accessible for you to go back to the internal to to the more personal um or do you feel like it sharpens you to bring the the internal stuff out you know like like you've taken a break from doing the the personal work to yeah kind of come back out yeah it's it, it's really nice to be able to transition back um but i do find that i can probably you know i'll get a little bit rusty at the at the one thing uh, when i haven't done it in so long yeah but just the fact that that I, I do feel like I need to keep changing things up. And so whether right. that's, you know, going from writing a long poem to writing a short poem or going from writing external to, to internal, you know, whatever it is, I want to keep changing things, keeping them fresh. And so um, when I finished this collection and started writing a little bit more personal poems, it was uh, a bit of a, there was a bit of a warming up process required where mm -hmm. I, I was like, I haven't really written about myself in a long time. Yeah. How do I go about doing that? Like I can, I barely remember how, but then once, once I started thinking about it a little bit and writing a little bit, a lot of it came back and, and it's just a matter of like 
you know, finding a poetic way to talk about the things I already know that I have as personal concerns. Right. And so it, it was, it was refreshing to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Do you ever yeah. write about home? Do you write about maybe Colorado or St. Louis in, in certain respects? Or um, is there something that m you might need to work through in terms of, of location? Because I, I'm always fascinated by that and how some poets incorporate a lot of where they're at uh, physically or maybe a longing for another home. Is that something that you've experienced in the past, you know, having moved from Colorado to St. Louis or maybe having that kind of longing for home? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, uh, well, first, I still consider Colorado home, even though I haven't lived there in, in f over 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and it, to, to some extent, St. Louis is home, but it, it, it always it, it feels to me more like a, a temporary home, whereas mm -hmm. Colorado just feels like home home. Um, and I, I have definitely written a lot about home. I've written about Colorado a good amount. Um, not so much anymore. I, I'm not writing poems of place quite so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've never written a lot of poems about St. Louis at all, which is is curious. I, it really yeah. seems like I should have. And that's that almost <laughs> seems like a thing to think about uh, going forward, just why why haven't I done that? Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of my things about home, like I, I have a lot of different sort of obsessions with home like I, I have a poem this is an older one where um for a long time uh anytime i dreamed about uh like my home a house it was the house i lived in when i was in my early to mid teens mm. um it was always that house and i didn't yeah. dream about earlier houses i didn't dream about later houses and so i was just like trying to figure out like why why is that the one that stuck yeah. um in my memory and a lot of it obviously is just that's an extremely formative age that for everybody mm -hmm. um and, and there were like there was uh, there other issues like uh emotionally that was when my parents got divorced was when i lived yeah. in that house so i think that's yeah. a lot of stuck so the, thinking of home in that regard is interesting and and also just home in terms of not necessarily a geographic place but just like the a a condition where you feel like you are home that yeah. kind of that kind of concept it's really good to me and there are there are times where wherever i am i feel that where i'm like with with the people i care most about and i just like everything feels warm and secure and that kind of home is important to me too yeah yeah no that's uh that's beautiful to think about because we hold on to certain scars certain moments and and it feels like uh you know the the tired phrase of core memories you know but it's it's so important to actually try to go back and mine them i've been struggling with this so i'm curious what your take is that sometimes i feel like i'm taking advantage of my memories in some way to you know to publicize them to get them out into the world um is there a healthy way in in your thinking to address these things without feeling like you know I'm airing my dirty laundry or I'm doing, you know, I'm just letting everybody know my business, you know, especially my past yeah. traumas and things like that. Do you ever have any hangups about that sort of thing? Um, I don't exactly. Um, I do have, so uh, speaking of airing dirty laundry, um, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly that, but I, uh, I used to, when I was a much younger poet, I would show my family, my poems in progress mm. and, um, thank my dad and my mom. And they were very supportive. Uh, but at one point I wrote a poem sort of about our extended family and showed it to my dad. And then without asking me, he showed it to my grandmother who 
uh, got very upset because she thought that I had inaccurately portrayed something about the family. Oh, um, she wasn't angry, but she was very sad. And so she, the next yeah. time I saw her, she was like talking to me about how you have to tell the truth. And she was she was kind of crying about it. And Aww. hey, I, I think I, I don't think I was untruthful about anything. But B, I realized you can't like I had to ask my dad never show anything to grandma again <laughs> because she just like she doesn't understand that kind of poetry and that there's an emotional truth there and and that that right. and also also you know maybe poetry should make you sad if it's if it's that you know if it's this a sad sort of situation you're talking about it, it shouldn't be feel good wow but that's kind of that's tangential also to to uh, your original question um about you know how how to deal with the you know the the fact that you're using these memories and putting them out there. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And I, I, uh, I don't worry too much about it, I guess. Um, I have though, I will say written in these recent poems I've been writing. A lot of them are about memory, the ways we remember the things we remember when we start to forget things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, a big portion of the sort of um, the spur for me to do that is uh, that my stepmom is going through uh, early uh, early stage Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. and she is very much in her memory. Oh. And um, and so, like that's always been kind of one of my real fears is when I start losing my mental capacities because that's one of the best things I have. Yeah, and so. Uh, I, I think, honestly, to get back to your question, um, I think the poetry where you're putting your memories out there is actually extremely valuable for that, that you're, you're taking the memory while you still remember it, while you still know that thing, and you're putting it down on paper so that it, it, it is in a, if not permanent form, something longer lasting than the actual mm. human memory is. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to state it, man. It's, and I'm sorry to hear, you know, about, about your family, um, at this time, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, but speaking yeah. of the collection here, um, what are you hoping that folks will take away from, from Wikipedia Apocalyptica? I honestly, I don't know if I have a thing they want, I would want them to take away. I just, I want them to feel like that, uh, that they were entertained, but also unsettled a little bit. Mm -hmm. um that, that these the, the poems are they're fun they're clever but also they're really they're making you think a little bit about the ways things are kind of messed up right now um mm -hmm. and and how how kind of a lot of it i think being about uh the ways language gets used and misused and abused um to to kind of put put untruth out there to support bad faith people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I guess it's kind of a muddled answer cause I don't, I don't necessarily think there's a specific thing I want you to take away, but, but definitely just, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the power of words to do both good and evil. Hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's it's okay to not have anything be like the the banner of a message or anything, but yeah, that's well put, man. I I really appreciate that. Just got a couple more to be mindful of your time, but what are some things that you're experiencing right now that are inspiring you, that are making you feel alive, 
making you dive into your work uh, with with uh, a kind of vitality. Wow. Um, okay. So the the most recent thing that I think is in line with with the way I think about writing and the things I really enjoy is uh, the Star Wars series Andor, oh, which okay. was a fantastic series and very like very socially aware and about the ways you know the the, the kinds of things in in Wikipedia Apocalyptica where uh, the the ways. Uh, bad faith actors take over and how 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 change happens and it's it's messy and and even people who who uh you know are on the right side are doing not good things and and just mm. that that kind of the messiness of it and just the real like especially in a universe where star wars tends to be very black and white uh, like you said before we live in a gray world and this is mm -hmm. this is one of the first star wars uh things where it's very much in a gray world mm. it, it don't see that very often so I, i'm very glad for that and it's it's just it's also a, a lot of fun very well done so it, it's the, any anything that's that i look at and see is really well written that that very much inspires me to write even if it's obviously a completely different kind of writing oh that's great so what are um some things that you're doing right now to work on your craft to to try to solidify habits are there some things that are tried and true for you when it comes to sitting down and just getting the work done yeah i i think the the thing i try to do is um in terms of craft uh is not just by default fall back into the things that i usually do like the, i have certain moves and styles and things that are always there and i just don't want to be writing those um those same things every time. And so I try to um, think about something in craft terms or form terms that I maybe I did once, but haven't really done regularly, or just something that I've always thought, hey, I would like to write this way. Mm -hmm. um, and then just make a point of trying to write something in that, like, like one, one thing that I'm doing a lot in poems now that I didn't I don't usually have a tendency to do, but it's something that I really like is um, very short lines that have just like a couple beats per line and uh, that, that still hold together really well. Like it's, it's not just really awkward line breaks. All the line breaks make sense. It's just very like when that's done well, I think the, the rhythms you can get out of that are really fantastic. It's not a way that I often write, but I decided, hey, I'm going to try it. I'm going to like make a point of doing this different formal thing and I'm going to keep at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, it's, I've actually been really pleased with the results of that. Sometimes those things don't work out at all. Like I'll try it and it's worth trying, but at the end I go, nope, it, that's never going to be good that way. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to turn it into something that's more like what I usually do. But these have actually, I think gone very well and stayed true to that form. Oh, that's amazing. And I was, that actually covers what I was going to ask you last, which was maybe some bits of insight or advice for somebody who is starting on their creative journey. I feel like you covered that pretty well, but if there's any, any additional thoughts on that would be greatly appreciated. Oh yeah. Um, the, so my sort of my standard advice for, for younger writers, uh, is, is always fairly similar. It's essentially read, read, read. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, if you, if you want to be a writer, you, you, you know, hopefully you like reading the kinds of things that you want to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, you really need to, and then, yeah, just, uh, you know, keep, keep developing your own voice, your own style. Um, and you, young writers probably don't have a lot of that yet, 
And that's fine. You know, you're going to, you go along the road, you figure that stuff out. You don't have to worry about it right away. Just keep, keep developing. And, and that stuff comes along. It's amazing, man. Well, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been such a blast and I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. This is just right up my alley in terms of the sensibility of, of using this kind of, I don't want to say spectacle, but there is a kind of, of showcase there of what would happen if we go down the wrong path, right? That, that kind right. of seems to be like the draw for the, the apocalyptic nature of it. I love it so much and I can't wait to check it out, man. But I really just want to thank you for your time and for making this an awesome conversation. So uh, I hope that you have a wonderful Sunday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah, man. Hope to stay in touch and I will bug you on the internet. Okay. Sounds good. All right, man. Take care. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.